Well, church family, what a blessing to come to God's word today. Here's a question for you. Can faith, we've been preaching a lot about faith lately, can faith move us forward in the midst of impossible situations and obstacles? Can faith do that? Nah. Can obedience that's fueled by faith move you forward in spite of the situations and obstacles around you? You betcha it can. And God's word shows us that over and over and over again. Now, in times like these, if you're like me, you long for relevant teaching that's right on point, a hope-infused, relevant word from the Lord for this moment of history. Well, with great satisfaction, I'm going to point you to the sufficiency of God's word today, preached expositionally, which means letting the text preach itself with the Holy Spirit's help. Moses is going to show us great encouragement of just how far faith-fueled obedience can take us for God's glory. Grab your Bibles and let's look there at the text in Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 23. It says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child that was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Let me hit those first two words. If you're just joining us in a series, we've been in a series on by faith, living by faith, legacies of genuine faith. Hebrews 11.1 tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. Hebrews 11.6, now without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. King James would say, diligently seek him. So what is biblical faith? Well, it's believing. Yes, faith is believing. It's a life-giving, hope-fueling trust, but it's not authored and finished and defined by the one who needs faith. It must have a basis in objection and truth. Well, it does. Faith is believing in God. <laughs> He's the creator, the ruler of the universe. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. The Christian faith, the faith once delivered to the saints, is active, it's doctrinally sound, it's vibrant, and it's a living faith. Faith is believing in God enough to act in obedience. As an act of worship, we will act on his promises, obey his commandments, and trust and accept his word. So before we even get into it, remember, faith is believing. Faith is believing in God, and faith is believing in God enough to obey and trust his word. So we come to the faith of Moses, a life that shouts faith from the beginning to the end. And we see in the beginning, if you're taking notes, here's your first note. By faith, Moses was preserved and nurtured. Now, not Moses' faith. It was the faith of Amram and Jochebed, his mother and father. By faith, Moses was preserved and nurtured. You see it right there in verse 23. It says, when he was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful. Now, we all have beautiful babies, right? Now, when they say beautiful, they don't mean that Moses was hidden because he was a cute baby, <laughs> Rather, they mean that they knew somehow that he was set apart for a specific task by God, leading Israel out of Egypt and into Canaan. I think back to Samson. God 
revealed to Samson's mother, if you recall, that he was set apart by God for a purpose. Maybe the Lord did the same thing for Moses' parents. Regardless, they knew to hide him. They weren't afraid to disobey the king's edict that every son born to the Hebrews be cast into the Nile and every daughter was allowed to live. Instead of acting in fear, we see that faith, the faith of Moses' parents, preserved them as they trusted in God. By faith, Moses was preserved. Next, by faith, look at the next verse, Moses identified with oppressed people as he turned his back on Egypt and took on the stigmata of Israel. So by faith, Moses identified with the oppressed people and turned his back on Egypt. Look at what it says, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than, or greater wealth rather than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Do you see this? Moses had before him all that Egypt had to offer. And instead of engaging in the idolatry and the pleasantries and all that Egypt had to offer, he chose to go with his people. His people, that covenant was thicker than the idolatry temptation that was before him. Let's look at the next verse. We're moving quickly this morning. We'll get to application shortly. Look at the next passage, verse 27. We're going to see Moses here by faith separating from Egypt for 40 years so that God could prepare him to be a deliverer. Would you look at the text, verse 27? You got your Bibles? By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Wow. Verse 27. Powerful passage there. Moses was not afraid of the anger of the king. He endured. He had a glimpse of faith at seeing the God that was invisible to him. Do you see this now? We see the preservation. We see identification. And now we see separation. Moses, by faith, is separated. Fourth thing in our passage here, verse 28. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Here's your fourth point. By faith, Moses obtained the salvation of his people by instituting the Passover. Moses obtained the salvation of his people by instituting the Passover. These are common points there. These are not original points that came out of this text. It's just an observation of what's there. Myriad of commentators speak to these same uh, overviews of this text. I readily confess that. But now I want us to see how this is relevant to us in the few moments we have left. It wasn't just faith that set Moses up as the greatest prophet that Israel had ever had in the Old Testament. He was set up and described that way throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament alike. It wasn't just faith. It was faith in action. It was the obedience of Moses to the Lord. When the facts were stacked against him, the truth was God was on his side. The facts may be stacked up against you right now, but the truth is 
for the child of God, God is on our side. Can we work our way backwards through this passage now and see some amazing essential doctrines of the church? And this is where our help will come from, from this passage. I asked you, don't you need a relevant word of hope today? Well, you've got it right here as we continue this series. First and foremost, working our way backwards. Remember, we said salvation. I want you to see salvation. We are saved by grace through faith because of the blood of the spotless Lamb of God, in spite of ourselves, because of God's great love. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, oh, don't you love that? But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And by grace, you have been saved. Not only did he save us, he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We are saved. You need hope today. You need salvation today. And if you are saved, you have hope today in spite of what's going on around us, working our way backwards. Remember, it's salvation. And then we see this, we saw the separation of Moses. We'll call that the doctrine of sanctification. We've been set apart by God for his purpose and for his pleasure. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 17, therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. John 17, 17, Jesus praying, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 2. <laughs> now, in a great house, they're not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some are for honor and some dishonor. The Bible says that we could be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy and useful to the master, ready for every good work. That's the work of sanctification. That's God setting us apart you're a marked man. You're a marked woman. You're a marked boy. You are a marked girl if you claim to know the living God of this Bible. We've been saved. We've been sanctified. And our identification has changed. Remember Moses identifying with the people of Israel instead of everything that he knew to be familiar? Instead of being of the world, he just recognized he was in it and belonged to another family? Can I tell you something? You're more than your job. You are more than your talent. You're more than your position in your family. You're more than what your friends say about you. You are more than what your enemies say about you and your biggest critics. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, there is, thou, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 9, 
You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. We are in the spirit, not in the flesh. 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Galatians 3, for in Christ, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. You've been saved. You've been sanctified and set apart by God himself. You have a new identity in Christ. And finally, at the beginning of our text, we've worked our way backwards now. Remember, Moses was preserved, we saw. We are preserved by this great God and King. God is able. What shall we say then to these things, to COVID-19, to the coronavirus outbreak, to the economic pause that the world is on to the global economic shakeup that we're in the midst of right now to jobs being paused and disruption in every level and isolation and feeling alone and disconnected what shall we say to these things if god be for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Paul would write in 2 Timothy 1, I'm not ashamed for I know in whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Jude 24, and now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Salvation, sanctification, identification, preservation, Big words, but they mean God loves us. He cares for us. He's not forgotten about us. And if it all comes to a grinding halt and goes downhill from here, we are still saved and sanctified, identified as the body of Christ and preserved in God. These are all evidences of God working in our lives. These are the benefits of faith-fueled obedience. So now let's transition. If Moses' parents could have faith when a death sentence was issued for the Hebrew children, faith enough to act. If Moses could have faith enough in a God he couldn't see with his eyes to identify with a family that was thicker than his party friends, faith enough to act. 
If by faith Moses could identify with Christ's sufferings by abandoning the comforts and pleasures of the idolatry of Egypt, faith enough to separate himself to prepare to be used by God. And if through faith-fueled obedience, Moses would trust that God's plan of using the blood of a lamb could bring salvation, if that could happen in that historic time of persecution, it begs the question for us. During this historic time of adversity and global interruption, how is faith fueling you to obey? If our lives were compared to those around us, how would our lives be marked differently because we are saved, sanctified, identified with Christ, and preserved? It's got to be more than just inner peace. It's got to be more than joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's got to be more than just consumption of nice content like a stream on Sunday morning, doesn't it? I can't wait to hear how your faith is fueling you to obey the great commandment. Remember the great commandment? One of those scribes came up to Jesus and heard him disputing with another and said, hey, which commandment is the most important of all? That's in Mark 12. You remember the account. Jesus answered, The most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You'll love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. So how are you loving God distinctively through this time? I can't wait to hear. How are you loving others in a way that reveals your identity in Christ? I can't wait to hear. I've heard some stories of some of you who are uh, seeing things happen in incredible ways, ways to reach out and ways to connect. And I'm so excited for that. I can't wait until we get back together and just get to talk about the goodness of God and how he's opened opportunities for us to share his great love. I can't wait to hear how your faith is fueling your obedience to the great commission, great commandment, great commission. Heard this before. Yeah. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. What doors are open now for you that were closed? What hearts are soft now that were hardened before? What conversations have you had with folks around you that are hungry for hope? I can't wait to hear about it. We who are saved, sanctified, identified in Christ and preserved by a promise-keeping king, we are of the faith. We are not of those who shrink back, the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 39, and are destroyed, but we are of those who have the faith and persevere and preserve our souls. What a good God we serve. What an awesome promise we who are children of God have, saved, set apart by God to be used for his glory, identified as belonging to the team that wins, (laughs) gloriously preserved by a promise-keeping king. Oh, how is faith fueling your obedience I'd love to hear from you. Maybe you can tell us tonight in Bible study. Maybe you could shoot me an email and let me know. Maybe we could chat by FaceTime or some way. I want to hear about 
all the ways that God is using you in this time to reach those in your neighborhood and the nations for his glory. Would you pray with me? Father, it's amazing how we come to a text in Hebrews 11 and it throws us back to Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and it throws us back to all these incredible passages, historical passages in the Old Testament. And it even shows Moses identifying with Christ here. That's remarkable as we think about that. So if Moses, through this great obstacles in his life, could have faith enough to obey, Lord, we are compelled and encouraged, maybe even a little convicted, that we might be more attuned to you as you open doors and hearts around us. Lord, like we prayed before, open a door, open a heart, and open our mouths so that we might proclaim your goodness. Help faith, faith in you, the faith you've given us to fuel our obedience as part of the bride of Christ. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.